It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lauritsen. First of all, want to wish everyone a happy Earth Day. It's the 50th anniversary of Earth Day today. It started in 1970. And for anyone looking for amazing resources, recipes, eco-friendly living tips, the Earth Day Network has some great content that they're going to be live streaming all day today. So you can check them out on Facebook and Instagram and all of the social media platforms. Earth Day Network has some awesome ways for you to celebrate Earth Day, the 50th anniversary. And we actually did a episode here on This Might Get Uncomfortable about how to celebrate Earth Month. So we will link to that previous episode in the show notes at podcast.wellevator.com, where we're going to be sharing, and in this episode, a lot about um, how we're eating, about food waste, about some ideas for you to be more eco-friendly with your eating habits right now. I saw an article from the New York Times that actually came out uh, very recently about the massive food waste issue that is going on right now with farmers and restaurants and hotels and schools. So here's what's going on. It's really fascinating to look at. Many of the nation's largest farms are actually destroying millions of pounds of fresh goods that they can no longer sell because of well, basically the economic shutdown. So with restaurants and hotels and resorts and schools closed, it's a really fascinating article, again, that we'll link to in the show notes at wellevator.com, where it basically goes on, it starts the article, it says, in Wisconsin and Ohio, farmers are dumping thousands of gallons of milk into lagoons and manure pits. An Idaho farmer has dug huge ditches to bury 1 million pounds of onions. And in South Florida, a region that supplies much of the eastern half of the U.S. with produce, tractors are crisscrossing bean and cabbage fields, plowing perfectly ripe vegetables back into the soil. So after many, many weeks of shortages and concerns about shortages in grocery stores and people scrambling to get, you know, the final boxes of pasta and spaghetti and rice and toilet paper, a lot of the big and medium-sized farms in the U.S. are struggling with a really ghastly effect of the pandemic, which is that they're being forced to destroy tens of millions of pounds of fresh food that they can't sell because of the closing of restaurants, hotels, resorts, and schools. So it's left a lot of these farmers with no buyers for their crops. So they're growing all of this food, but unfortunately, they're not having anyone to buy this. And the amount of waste is is absolutely staggering. I mean, we're talking about one farmer had to dump 3.7 million gallons of milk. Um, another, this is just heartbreaking. Uh, they, they talk about a chicken processor is smashing 750,000 unhatched eggs every single week. And uh, they say that these farmers have been donating part of their surplus to food banks and Meals on Wheels, but the donations are so overwhelming and the demand is so big that there's only so much perishable food that these charities can handle, you know, with limited refrigerators and storage space and volunteers. So the, the costs of harvesting and processing and transporting all of this food is putting further financial strain on the farms that I've seen 50% of their paying customers disappear. And it's really just heartbreaking to read this because something that Whitney and I have been passionate about for so many years, and, and I've been guilty of this, certainly, and I'll use the word guilty, is 
I have at times bought too much food and wasted it or put it in the compost bin or, or whatever the case may be. And this whole situation has gotten me to really think more clearly about how I'm using food, how I'm storing food. And so far, so good. I, I mean, just to kind of zoom out for a second on, on a personal level, I've been making probably 95 to 99% of my meals at home, first of all, which feels great, but it just shows like how important it is to be mindful of how we're using our food right now. And it's a complicated issue because we want to make sure that these farmers stay in business. Obviously, if we don't have farmers, we're pretty much screwed. Um, but this, this food glut that they're having and having 50% less business, it's, it's a complex issue. So I think what can we do? We can, of course, on a local level or a personal level, think about how we're using fresh produce. So one of the biggest things that I've loved and I've been using for the past like six to eight months has been imperfect produce. It's a, a farm produce delivery box that takes um, basically produce and fruits and vegetables that would normally be composted or thrown away because of physical imperfections. And they package this food and sell it for 30 to 50% less than you would pay at the grocery store. So that's been just a, a huge, huge way for me personally to curb my food waste. And I'm happy to say that I have wasted very, very little food and any of the scraps or pits or rinds um, I've been composting. So that's been, that's been feeling awesome. I'm trying to do my part right now. This definitely is a complicated issue. And I'm curious because I haven't read that article yet, Jason. If they went into deeper detail about why this is happening and what we can do collectively or just kind of a, a greater perspective, because I actually had been seeing some content like this. It comes up on TikTok sometimes. There were videos of farmers having to dump. I actually saw one from a, a dairy farm that I found very disturbing because they were dumping milk in front of the dairy cows. And I I just felt beside myself because it was like so such a slap in the face of of these poor cows that not only have to live out these lives in confinement and poor conditions and, you know, on and on and on with the just the state of the dairy industry, but that they had to literally just pour out all of this milk in front of these animals who are suffering as a result of it. And I, I felt so frustrated, but I was reading through the comments and had an opportunity to be compassionate instead of angry. And I thought this was really important because I, I do see a lot of anger coming up, like how dare you, the farmer, waste all this food. But then you would see the farmers defending themselves and saying that it wasn't their choice. It was because of the companies that they were no longer able to sell to and how much in advance, these farmers have to have to plan their food, whether they're they're growing plants or they're using animals for food. They feel pretty helpless and they're not able to pay the production costs like milk, for example, has to be pasteurized. And so these companies cannot afford to pasteurize the milk that they just milked from the cows. So they had to dump it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to stay open as a company. I've also been seeing how a lot of um, meat-based farms have are having to close at least temporarily because of this and how people were panicked that they weren't going to be able to get their meat at the store. But then the media was saying, don't worry, there's still plenty of meat in circulation. And so it's just been really interesting. My feelings as a vegan aside about the meat and dairy industry is 
it's it's just been really interesting to see all these bits and pieces, but I haven't yet read into it yet, Jason. So I'd love for you to share. And as you're sharing that, I'm going to look up and see if I can find any other specific tips about this situation, just so we can stay informed. I think part of my point here is not to make assumptions. It's really easy to see footage of something and make an assumption about why it's happening and who's to blame for it. But this is this issue is actually part of a very big conversation, not just right now in April 2020 because of quarantine, but a larger discussion about our food usage. And to Jason's point, there is so much that we can do as individuals to contribute less to the waste that's happening with food and at least grow our awareness about what's happening. And I think that's part of the benefit of this time that we're in with the pandemic is that it's causing all sorts of big challenges globally. And those challenges are coming to the surface and raising people's awareness more than usual. Because I don't think a lot of people understand how their food gets to their plate in the first place, right? And so we can talk about that today, too, in this episode about where our food is really coming from. And the other cool thing is that a lot of people are taking the initiative to start growing their own food more so than ever. That's another thing I see a lot on TikTok, but I see it across social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, just like a lot of people in their 20s being proud of their gardens. You know, suddenly gardening is cool. <laughs> and I think that's actually really amazing that a younger generation is feeling proud of growing food and wanting to show other people. Uh, on that note, too, I will say, I mean, this is this is actually, I just want to plug TikTok. If you haven't heard me talk about this before as a listener, TikTok to me is really an eye-opening platform. If you don't know much about it, it's basically short videos that people are posting about a variety of subject matters. And it's had a reputation for being this entertainment platform for teenagers and 20-year-olds, but it's actually so much more than that. And I have learned and, and really grown my awareness a lot as a person because People all around the world are posting videos, especially right now, since so many people are in quarantine around the world. I am getting so much perspective about what's happening in people's homes or in businesses, or as I talked about, on the farms. Uh, I even saw a video yesterday on TikTok of somebody showing what it was like to pack products at Amazon, right? And I was just watching the conveyor belts and, and how things go and the products that people order on, on Amazon. And it's just... It, it is heightening my awareness about how people live and how things are made, what we are buying, where things come from. And I think that's incredibly important when it comes to the environment, really understanding how everything that you purchase is originating from somewhere and, and not being so blind to that, I suppose. We, we live in this time where we have so much access to things. We can just go on a, a site like Amazon and immediately order anything from all around the world. We've never had that before, right? The things that we can order for so cheaply, but we really need to step back and think what is involved with that? Why is it so inexpensive? Why is it so accessible? How is it able to be that inexpensive? How is it able to be shipped to us from around the world and, you know, in 2 days in some cases, right? With the Amazon Prime, 
sometimes we just take all this convenience for granted without really understanding what goes into making it so convenient. So I think this extends well beyond the food, but we can definitely hone back into the food for this specific episode. I just had a lot to get off my chest, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good, Whitney. I, I think you're addressing a macro issue, which is the effects of rampant consumerism without consciousness. And that as we become more conscious of the entire purchase and distribution and creation cycle, I think that we as individuals can decide where we want to vote with our dollars. Because ultimately, in a capitalistic society, I believe that the vote with our dollars and where we put our economic resources and our financial energy matters a whole lot more than more than our actual political vote. But that's a whole other topic that I don't want to jump into necessarily. I'm, I'm agreeing with you because I'm bolstered by the fact that I have also seen so many videos of people on on Instagram, a few on TikTok. I'm not I'm not as deep in TikTok as you are, but certainly on Instagram of a lot of people tilling their soil and planting things. Uh, I myself here at the house have some mint and strawberries. And in the front, there's some uh, nasturtiums growing, which are edible flowers. So I've got three things that, you know, if I needed to cobble together a, a little bit of stuff for a salad, I could do that. It's, it's nowhere near what I see other people doing. But I'm bolstered and emboldened by the fact that it reminds me of what I remember my grandma Rose and Grandpa Walter talking about back in Detroit during World War II, where the federal government was encouraging everybody to plant victory gardens. And it was this idea of radical self-reliance that if we go to war and the resources are scarce, we need to feed our soldiers and we need to feed the people on the front line, which is kind of similar in a way to our first responders right now and the emergency workers and the people out in the field really doing the work to battle COVID-19 right now. It's, it's eerily similar of that victory garden program from, I remember my grandparents telling me from World War II. So I love the self-reliance. And for, for the listener, if you don't have necessarily access to a garden plot and you don't have the ability to, say, plant a bunch of fresh fruits and, and vegetables right now, if you do have a balcony or a small outdoor sp space, you could at, at the very least plant an herb garden or a little bit of strawberries or something like that. That's very easy to do. Or get a CSA box, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. I mentioned that I've been using imperfect produce. Uh, in most metropolitan areas, there is some form of a CSA box. And to go back, Whitney, to your original question, um, one of the solutions that is being suggested in this New York Times article about all the food being destroyed right now in the COVID crisis is that a lot of these farmers are shifting slowly to local CSA programs. So they're, they're seeing that um, they can actually funnel some of the produce they're growing rather than restaurants and hotels and resorts. Um, actually forming CSAs in their communities. So that's one solution that some of these farmers are exploring. The other solution that they're exploring is some, like Sanderson Farms, it says here, is that they are actually cooking meals and donating meals to organizations to cook those meals for emergency medical workers and first responders. So I think it's great that they are finding some solutions with starting CSA programs and also donating or cooking some of that food and some of that produce to feed first responders and, and emergency workers. So there are some solutions being, uh, being implemented right now for that food waste. I just found another article that shares some solutions. So just to show what is being done, part of the issue here is because the restaurants 
haven't been able to sell as much because they're only able to do carryout or delivery. And of course, during this time, it, there's been a lot of awareness around how you can get delivery through platforms like Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub. And, and we're very lucky to have at least four different major companies making these, giving us these, this access because we get to choose the one that we want to support, right? And I think it's really important now, but anytime to do some research on how each of these companies operate and just make sure that they're in alignment with your ethics. I know there's been a lot of awareness growing over the past few weeks about how workers are being treated. Are they being taken care of? Are, are they being paid well? So I really encourage you again right now, but just consistently to stay up to date on, on the policies and are the the employees happy and making sure that whatever third-party delivery company you use, if you do use them, is one that aligns with you. And if you're trying to save money, another option is that you can try all of them and get special deals. I, I know, for example, I've never actually used Postmates myself, believe it or not. I don't know if I've used DoorDash. Maybe. I think I've used Grubhub. I don't think I've ever used Uber Eats. And that's kind of cool because I've been saving them. A lot of them, you can get like a first time client deal on them. And I just feel like one day when I feel like it's important to me, I'll use them. But actually during this time of COVID, I've been going and just picking up um, carry out food directly from the restaurants. And some restaurants actually prefer that because if they use a third party delivery company, they have to pay a fee. And so it might be convenient to you, but you also have to tip the driver. But in in the case of getting directly from the restaurant, you can tip them instead. You might be able to save some money. There's a restaurant down the street from me that actually offers a discount if you order directly through them. So as long as you are comfortable going to pick up at a restaurant, you actually might be able to get a better deal. So some things to keep in mind and, and just being mindful about again, where your com- your food is coming from, right? But coming back to the waste point, this does help with waste because instead of the restaurants just having all the surplus or not being able to order from the farmers or whoever else is providing them food, if you are continuing to get carryout or delivery from them, then you do it actually contribute to that cycle of being less waste. Another thing that restaurants are doing right now is temporarily transforming their spaces into a grocery market And again, this is very specific to the COVID-19 issue because of how much has changed. But we don't know how long this is going to last. You know, right now, the governments are estimating sometime in the next two to four weeks. But nobody knows for sure when things will go back to quote unquote normal. So this might go on for a few more months or some places might permanently or indefinitely transform their businesses. And I think it's cool that restaurants are are starting to sell things. So there's a few restaurants in Los Angeles that are packaging up products in different ways. So you can get a certain foods in bulk, like their sauces, for example. You've never been able to do that in the past, at least not directly from their regular menu. But now you can go and buy like a pint of your favorite sauce from a restaurant, take it home and make it. Or you might be able to get certain produce directly from them. So I think it's really neat how restaurants have become more creative. And I hope that some of that does continue because that could certainly change our relationships to restaurants and supporting those businesses. I think for me, it's been a bit of a mm, conundrum is a good word. I'll use the word conundrum because there's 
the desire that I have to support the restaurants and the cafes and the places that are offering, uh, like you said, Whitney, prepackaged foods or sauces or soups. But I have to admit that as I've been, you know, cooking 95 to 99% of my meals at home, I've cooked more the past month and a half than I, I, I can't even recall. Maybe it's been years or when I was developing, you know, the recipes for the How to Live to 100 TV show or the Eternity Cookbook, I, I've just been cooking so much at home and I've, I've noticed that I have felt so good. My digestions felt great. Uh, for the most part, I've had a lot of energy, but there's this conundrum of, you know, wanting to go out and continue to support the restaurants that I love so that they don't go under. But I can't deny how good I feel and how creative I've felt getting the farm box and, you know, basically cooking at home. It's just, it's, it's just felt like, again, very resilient using mint from the garden, using the farm box from imperfect produce. So to me, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to find the balance because I'm saving a lot of money by not going out, but I want to support the great restaurants we know and love here in the Los Angeles area. And, and for the listener, you may feel that conundrum too. And I, I'm, I'm curious, Whitney, you know, what's your ratio been of making food at home versus supporting local restaurants and, and local cafes? How's that relationship been for you? Well, it's all relative, right? So currently... Well, I would say in the past nine months or so, I've I've eaten out a little bit more. Before COVID, I was finding myself going out to eat with friends a little bit more. I, I think I just go through cycles. It depends on on who's in my life at the time. And just in the past nine months, socializing has led me down that path more. And after COVID, I would say it's kind of gone up and down in terms of me getting food from restaurants. Last night, I had dinner at as takeout. And it was more just a desire to have something different. Plus being a lull in, in grocery shopping, I think I'm due for another trip to the grocery store. And it went through this period where I was going to the grocery store a lot during COVID. And then I started to feel nervous about my exposure. So I cut back on going to the grocery store and, and now I just have to readjust. So what I did was, was just go through the food that I had. And then instead of going to the grocery store, I used it as an opportunity to order out. But then last night I got Chinese food, for example, and it was really nice. I don't know how much this specific restaurant needed business. So one thing I think about is exactly where I'm ordering from, not just the category of food, but how long is this place been in business? And do they seem like they really need support right now. And and sometimes it's hard to judge. So the specific place I went to, there were actually a number of other people there, specific delivery drivers, like from Postmates or something like that, that were picking up food for, for customers. And the, the big thing, though, that I noticed is, A, there's the cost involved. As you said, Jason, it can be quite expensive. You know, I went to, quote unquote, higher end Chinese food restaurant because they have really good quality food. And their dishes can be really pricey. And if I think about a lot of that food, making it at home, it's like nuts. I mean, I could probably make it for almost a tenth of the price if I was being really mindful about my ingredients. And if I had certain things on hand, it's it's kind of crazy when you, if you're used to ordering out food or even getting packaged food at the grocery store, if you start making things from scratch or close to scratch as possible, 
you will notice such a major difference in your food costs. And Jason and I have talked about before how we did an experiment with this in 2013 about how to eat on a budget. And we'll link to that video. It was uh, Extreme Vegan Cheapskates is the name of that video. And we spent a week making food from scratch and trying to eat for under $5 a day, completely vegan and organic, actually. And we were blown away by how successful that was. Some days it would cost us $4 each, breakfast, lunch, and dinner included, $4 total for the day. And that was because we would go to the grocery store and we would be mindful of what we were purchasing. We were purchasing fresh produce and dried legumes, nuts and seeds if you know they were inexpensive enough and just really calculating the costs and going to different grocery stores allowed us to price match or price compare and then uh, we were just mindful about what recipes we were making and you know something some of those dishes we were making would probably cost literally 10 times the price at a restaurant So to your point, Jason, I I completely understand the desire to save money. And going back to this Chinese restaurant that I went to last night, the other issue was all the packaging. Uh, One thing I try to do when I order out from a restaurant is I try to support restaurants that are mindful about their packaging because some of them still use styrofoam or still use over plastic. I I never take utensils. I mean, I'm There's very rare cases I actually need a utensil from a restaurant because I bring my own bamboo utensils with me when I travel. And then if I'm eating at home, of course, I have those. And so many restaurants will just load up the takeout bags with plastic utensils and little packets of soy sauce if you're getting it from an Asian restaurant or you know, ketchup, if you're getting it from somewhere else, you know, all those little packets of things that you probably already have at home, plus napkins. And then they wrap their food in plastic to prevent it from spilling. And so when you really step back after getting your meal onto your plate, you see all of this packaging involved. And to me, that is a bigger challenge too, if we're speaking about the environmental impacts of our food choices, the amount of waste that goes into takeout food is pretty nuts, both financially and in terms of things that you end up just throwing out. And then the value of of the food too, once you put it on your plate, it's like, oh, it's a reality check. A lot of times when you're eating at a restaurant, everything's so nicely prepared and it's presented to you. It's a a whole experience. But when you get takeout, it doesn't look nearly as good. And then a lot of the food doesn't even taste as good as takeout. So that was something that I learned last night, or not learned, but remembered last night. I'm thinking, yeah, it's nice to support these businesses, but the cost and the experience and the waste is is pretty nuts. I think that that's apropos of a lot of the things we're facing right now uh, in society and, and thinking about, again, where we're putting our energy, our dollars, uh, the businesses we're supporting, because when you pay for convenience, there's um, there are other considerations, as you so brilliantly detailed, Whitney, with with waste and plastic and and um, you know I'm thinking about the graveyard of soy sauce packets I have in a jar in my fridge right now that God knows how old they are and I, <laughs> I need to do something. Oh God, with all those the old soy sauce packets. I, I wanted to jump back briefly though because uh, I, I think. Perhaps if the listener is interested in growing their own food, I wanted to give three resources that uh, my dear friend um, 
Adam Yasmin, our dear friend, Adam Yasmin, uh, who was a guest of ours and had a great episode about parenting and mindfulness and the power of tea and digital detox. We'll link to his episode in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Great, great conversation with Adam Yasmin. He and his partner, Pamela, are planting a garden in their backyard right now, and they got their seeds from three sources they recommended. I want to pass those along to you, dear reader. Uh, One is Seed Savers Exchange Heirloom Seeds. These are rare organic seeds. They're a nonprofit organization. You can order these online from seedsavers.org. Another one is the Sustainable Seed Company, open pollinated, very cool, non-hybrid heirloom vegetable flower uh, seeds. Great, great, awesome seeds for vegetables and fruits, tobacco, uh, herbs. That's sustainableseedco.com. And the third one, another heirloom organic multi-generational seed company is Johnny Seeds, J-O-H-N-N-Y seeds.com. We'll link to all of those resources in the show notes. If you are, listener, wanting to jump on the train of being sustainable and self-reliant and grow your own food, because if we're talking about saving money wit, I mean, that to me is the ultimate way. Uh, obviously, you know, food security is a huge issue right now when we're talking about all of this waste and where our food is coming from. But if we can grow it in our own front or backyards or our balconies and do it from heirloom organic seeds, that is, I mean, first of all, how much more sustainable and local can you get when it's a few feet away from you? But also the the cost savings. I mean, literally a package of these seeds, it's unbelievable the yield that you get from these seed packets. I mean, if you look at something like, you know, broccoli seeds, for example, and I'm just pulling this out of my bum, you know, they have around 7,000 seeds per ounce. I'll say that again, 7,000 seeds in an ounce, and they're $3.25, $3.25 for a package of seeds. So if you really, really want to get extreme and healthy and local and save money, I think getting these heirloom organic seeds and growing them yourself, that's the ultimate in my opinion. Absolutely. And and again, that one thing that a lot of people have pointed out about this pandemic is, is just the awareness of how it's affecting our environment and how the fact that so many people are staying in their homes has led to less pollution in the air and in the water, less boats on the water and less planes probably flying and less cars driving on the road. And then we think about our food and going to the grocery store less and and people that are feeling tighter in their bank accounts, they might be purchasing less things and less food. And, and then you just start to realize we don't necessarily need to do all of these things. We don't need to be spending as much money. We don't need to be traveling as much. We can actually get by by just staying in our homes and really thinking about what's necessary. And I think that is one of the biggest blessings that we could have in this time as human beings is that the word necessary has come up so much and it's getting people to rethink what is truly necessary and really reflect on what they need, what they want, what they're missing in their lives. And that's certainly come up a lot for me. I mean, just going into the mental and emotional well-being side of things, I've really been reflecting a lot about socializing. Uh, Jason and I have talked about how I'm introverted and he's extroverted. And this could be a whole nother episode, but we can touch upon this briefly. Just I'm I'm sitting at home a lot thinking, yeah, there are 
times where I feel like I miss my friends and going out to those meals that I mentioned, but I'm actually really enjoying a lot of this time to myself. And it's it's giving me opportunities to text my friends, call my friends, do FaceTime with them and realize the friends that I really want in my life and that I'm, I'm missing the most. And maybe some people that I'm thinking, you know what, maybe these people actually drain my energy more than I even realized, or maybe going out as draining my energy or my bank account. I mean, that's the other thing I've noticed is because I've been feeling a little financially tight, I've been spending less money and focused on generating more income recently. And I actually have barely spent any money in the past few weeks aside from bills. Whereas normally I'd go out and maybe get a coffee or go to the grocery store and get a little treat for myself. I'm now more focused on what what do I currently have? Like I said earlier, I can go into the cabinets and say, oh, I could actually make a meal from that. Or you know what? I don't actually need that food bar that I would normally just go down the street to get at the grocery store. I don't have it, so I'm not going to eat it. And now I'm I'm more focused on what do I currently have in the cupboards and what what can I consume or or what do I even not actually need to eat? And that makes a bigger impact on my health as well. And so all of this rethinking about our lives and what we're doing socially, what we're consuming food-wise, what we're buying, that whole awareness that we have when we're forced or highly encouraged to stay inside, when when things change for us financially and we have to rethink every single purchase, when our food systems are rapidly changing or temporarily changing, we have to rethink how we eat food and what food we eat and where does it come from. And I think that there's going to be a really positive shift as a result of this. And I love that now a lot of people are growing food that may not have considered it before simply because they're recognizing the financial and health benefits of doing so. I I pulled up a a piece of information from one of the websites I was looking at that says that it has been estimated that 1.6 billion tons of food is waste annually. And according to World Food Waste, one ton of food waste prevented could save 4.2 tons of CO2 equivalent. So when we think about all of this waste, whether it's food, whether it's unnecessary spending, whether it's purchases online or grocery store purchases or restaurants, or how are we wasting our time? How are we living our lives? And what could the long-term benefits be if we simply shifted all of those behaviors into something that's really based on true necessity and true joy? I think it would greatly impact not just the environment, but our internal environment, physically, mentally, and emotionally. It's made me think this whole situation, Whitney, as you're detailing it in that way about physically, mentally, emotionally, it's made me realize that because I can't distract myself from a painful thought or an uncomfortable moment by going and grabbing a matcha from, you know, Maru Coffee, my favorite, you know. I can't just like go there and grab a matcha and, and dull the pain or I can't I can't get out of a a perceived boredom trap by hey you know do you want to do you want to you know come grab pizza and like you know meet everybody at the pizza parlor I mean these are just small <laughs> Do you actually do that meet everybody <laughs> That pizza God, I, it makes me sound like I'm in 90210 right now. Like I'm, I'm a cast member on Beverly Hills. And I don't, like, let's go meet at the Peach Pit, guys. 
Who the hell well, am I? Can I also pause you for a second? I? Yeah. But can you please tell the listener about what we did the other day? Speaking of matcha, have we brought this up yet? So Speaking I'll, of matcha. I'll, I'll, start, I'll start the story and Jason can finish it. So Jason had a few things to drop off for me. And he came over to meet me at my place. And we did our social distancing exchange where he put it out six feet away from me. And I came and got it. And then wiped it off with a <laughs> a disinfectant. But what did I give you in return when you came over, Jason? Oh, okay. So Whitney and I have this thing. We have a lot of things about food and specific things that, that we've loved for a long time. And one of those things is boba. And boba, if the listener does not know, are, are tapioca pearls that are typically put into a matcha latte, like an iced matcha latte or different different sweet fun drinks. So for years, we had fetishized a particular chain of boba that originated, I believe, in New York City called Boba Guys. And then they came here to LA a few years ago in Culver City. They have one actually dangerously close to where I live near downtown LA. That's another story. But the other day, Whitney FaceTimes me and she's like, you're going to freak out. You, you can't even believe what I did. And the FaceTime, she picks up and she's in her kitchen with this shit-eating grin on her face, like a proud French bulldog looking like Bella. And she's she shows me that she freaking made boba from scratch. So when I came over to do the social, the physical distancing drop-off of goodies, she made me one of the greatest drinks I've ever had in my life. I told her to her face, this is one of the greatest drinks I've ever had. And she used this tea that we get at the, we got at this great restaurant, Shojin, here in L.A., and she made boba with it and iced it. And it was it was legitimately one of the greatest drinks I've ever consumed in my life. And that is not faint praise, Whitney. That is not <laughs> faint praise. Very honored that you said that. But just for the listener, it was a really empowering moment. And I, I didn't even occur to me to bring this up today until Jason mentioned matcha, because I had no idea that you could make boba pearls, tapioca pearls, from scratch using two ingredients. So I'm going to let you in on this now. I'm also planning to do a TikTok video on this soon, which we can link to in the show notes because I post a lot uh, on TikTok these days. And Wellevator actually has their own, our own TikTok account. We don't post on that very much. Anyways, so two ingredients, just water and tapioca starch, sometimes referred to as tapioca flour. I happen to have that on hand because I cooked with it years ago. Our friend Jackie Soban has a phenomenal book, a recipe book. I think it's just called Vegan Yak Attack, which is, is that? No, it was something about bowls. Do you remember the name of her book, Jason? We'll link to it in the show notes it's, at Wellevator. It is Vegan Bowl Attack. Aha, uh -huh, okay. Vegan Bowl Attack. That makes attack. sense. Uh, Jackie is an incredible recipe developer and photographer, and she combined those two in a book that came out years ago. I think she's done another book or two since. She also did the photography for Jason's book, Eternity. We will link to all these amazing cookbooks in the show notes. And anyway, so I remember buying tapioca starch for like one recipe. I think it was at her fondue or something. And I ordered it online and it's been sitting in my cupboard for years. Hopefully it hasn't expired. I can't remember if I checked the expiration date or not. But regardless, <laughs> it still tastes and works perfectly. And I figured out from a TikTok video, again, this is shout out to TikTok. It is a phenomenal resource for learning things. 
I learned how to make these boba rolls by just combining that starch and water, rolling it together, shaping it, boiling it, and then you just brew up your favorite tea. So I had some loose leaf tea from Shojin. Shout out to a great restaurant, which is not super close to me, but they're a restaurant that I would love to support right now. So maybe I'll go out of my way to order from them uh, during COVID just to make sure they're doing well financially because God forbid that restaurant shuts down. And we, meaning I, (laughs) I brewed up, they have this loose leaf tea that they gave me for Christmas this past year. And uh, it was, uh, I think, a tropical herbal tea. We can link to that as well. I don't know if you can buy it online, but we will definitely link to their website because that is a must-visit restaurant in Los Angeles. And if there's any way for you to support them from a distance, please do order from them if you can or tell your friends in Los Angeles or come visit them if you're visiting from out of town. And they had this phenomenal tea, brewed that up, added in the tapioca pearls that I made from scratch, and then added in a sweetener. And that was it. And some ice. Just super simple. Tea, tapioca starch, water to make the balls. You make those, you boil them, you make your tea separately, and then add in a sweetener if you'd like, which is completely optional. So it could be a three-ingredient boba tea experience. If you want to use matcha, you can easily make your own matcha at home. And and again, coming back to not only the reduction in waste, but the ingredients are so much better. I don't remember what's in most tapioca pearls, which you can order online. You know, they're probably like $10, I think, maybe less. I've bought them before at Asian re- Asian grocery stores. And they usually have like dyes in them. They're They're more than two ingredients for sure. And most of them aren't organic. I used organic tapioca starch and water, two ingredients, no need for dyes, no need for sugar. You can add in stevia if you're sugar-free like I am and just keep it incredibly healthy and super inexpensive. I forget how much I paid for tapioca starch, but it's probably five to $10 max. You might even be able to get it in bulk if you live near a really cool bulk grocery store and just keep it on hand. You can add it to all sorts of other recipes. And then if you like boba, or maybe you've never even had boba before, actually, this could be a fun a fun little experience. But the big point is save money, control your ingredients, and learn something new, right? Plus, you get to bring joy to somebody like Jason by making them a cool drink. I I'm just, I was honestly blown away. And I also... We have there's an ongoing joke that that Whitney at some point wants to showcase her barista skills to the world that there will be some platform or venue in which to do this. I'm, I think it will happen at some time because Whitney is really good at making really good drinks. I, I feel like you know everyone defaults to me obviously because I've branded myself as a chef and went to culinary school, but your skills in terms of drinks and beverages and blended beverages they're really good with like in some cases, some of the stuff you make, I'm like, this shit is world-class. Like (laughs) people don't know. People don't know about your barista skills. They don't, they do not know. You know, I appreciate the compliment. And I will say that sometimes we have a passion for something and it comes out in little hobbies. And sometimes those hobbies can also become careers. So I do have a dream of opening up a cafe one day. And sometimes I think maybe I should just make all my social media about making drinks. But I don't know if I have enough passion to document it that much, to be honest. If I had like a team of people, I would probably just enjoy making drinks all the time. But 
documenting it can be a little bit challenging. I will, as I said, keep my promise and document the boba experience. And I just got a message or an email about making keto boba using agar agar. Stop so it. So I'm not kidding. So I for as a listener, if you didn't know this about me, I've I've done a lot of uh, keto eating, vegan keto specifically, and and released a cookbook on the vegan ketogenic diet, which we will link to as well. And tapioca boba is not low carb. It is on the higher carb side. So I haven't had much of it in the past couple of years since I've experimented with a low carb lifestyle. So when I saw that you could make it from agar agar, I got really excited about it. I don't know if the texture will be quite the same, but I'm going to experiment with that next, Jason. So stay tuned. I'm excited to be on the receiving end of those results. I, I am. And and I also think that, uh, again, zooming out to a macro level, this time to slow down and contemplate life and really be with ourselves. And as I was saying a few minutes ago, not defaulting to me running to the cafe or, you know, going to the pizza, going to the pizza parlor or the arcade to hang out with friends as if I ever go, like really go to the arcade or the pizza parlor. But my point is these things that we all do as humans to say, distract ourselves, satiate ourselves, uh, spend money in maybe unconscious ways that at the end of the month, we're looking at our budget and like, how the hell did I spend this much on food? How the hell did I spend this much on going out to drinks at Starbucks or my cafe or whatever the deal is for each one of us? I think it's just a wonderful time to tap into these, I don't know, creative ideas and things that may have been dormant within us. There was actually a super interesting article um, we will also link to in the show notes at wellevator.com from National Geographic that talked about during this time of rest and slowdown, how many people are reporting really vivid, visceral, crazy dreams. It's a fascinating article. I read it this morning and I have been having, I've been having batshit crazy dreams lately, like weird, nonsensical definitely interdimensional strange things uh, you know with with people i haven't seen in years or talked to in years and strange creatures in different dimensions and that sounds like a good episode we should we should do a whole episode on weird dreams let's let, let's put a, let's <laughs> no let's really put a pin in that and i i want to reference more about the psychological effects they talked about in this article because so let's put a pin in that for a future episode very soon but i think the the general gist of it was as we are not leveraging our energy to be rushing off to work or staying in rush hour traffic or or basically diluting our creative mental energy in the ways that we usually do it's freeing up our brain in different ways to have these fantastical creative ideas which i've certainly been experiencing and and i think we definitely should talk about those in a future episode because it's been wacky and weird lately in dreamland absolutely i i mean that's just the ongoing theme for many podcast episodes. We can't stay away from it as much as we like to keep our our episodes topical and not too specific because who knows when you're listening to this. But I, it is important for us to address what's actually going on at the time that we're recording and and make things super specific. And I think it's I've always had a perspective holistically on health and the environment and. I really believe that it's it's not just about the physical changes that we can make and the physical decisions w- such as our purchases and our food consumption and our other consumptions and 
all of those things that impact the environment on on a level that you can see or touch. But there's another level to the earth that is about the vibrations and the feelings and the emotions and the mental stimulation side of it. And that a lot of people view that as kind of woo-woo, which I doubt a listener would would use that term (laughs) if they're listening to this podcast, because we talk a lot about, quote, woo-woo things on the show. We, We tend to dip into a lot of spiritual side of things. But it's an important thing to reflect on. And I think to your point, Jason, there's so much that we can do to feel more connected to the planet. And I think the more connected that we feel, the more in awe of the earth, the more grateful the gratitude that we have for it, the more that we're going to treat things with respect. In a recent episode, we talked about cruelty to animals and violence to human beings. And something that came up briefly, at least, is how some people are so in their ego and so disconnected from one another and out of touch with respect for animals and human beings that they feel like it's okay to be cruel. They feel like it's okay to be violent or they can get away with it. Or, or they're not even fully realizing the impact of their decisions. And the same thing is true with the environment. And I f- feel like even more so because we just take it for granted. We take for granted that we can breathe clean air. But now during COVID, we've had to wear masks. We're more aware of the air quality and how we can get sick being within a certain distance from people. So that might lead people to get an air purifier or a filter or just just thinking more about the air in general. And we, we're thinking differently about our food choices because of this. And we're thinking more about how we're spending our money. And I think more people are, are grateful to be outside when it happens, right? They're grateful to see the sky. They're grateful for the rain, perhaps. They're grateful for the sunny days. We're grateful for the change in weather. And I, I actually feel more in tune with the weather than ever before because every time I go outside, I feel so excited about it that I notice the change in temperature more than usual. And I notice the way that the air smells and the way that the trees look and what is it windy or not. And we're noticing so much. We're noticing the clear water around the world. We're noticing the clear air around the world. And noticing that awareness of the earth can change so much within us, again, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I think that is incredibly important and will have such a huge, I hope, fingers crossed, that that has a massive ripple effect for the planet. I think that this is such a beautiful summary, Whitney, of the interconnectedness of all things. And we keep seeing the word interconnectedness and also not codependency, but you know, cooperation and seeing the interwoven thread of a situation like COVID-19 and coronavirus showing us uh, the domino effect and how, how similar our situations really are. Of course, there are a few exceptions depending on economic brackets and things like that. But the overarching consensus, I think, is that facing uncertainty, facing the unknown, facing doubts, facing fears, you know, we realize the, yes, the fragility of our situation as human beings on the planet and the, the fragility of the ecosystem and what we've done to it, but also our power. As you mentioned, the skies clearing up and the water clearing up. I, I saw photos of Los Angeles the other day. And I was commenting to my mom, Susan, in the over 13 years that I've lived here in Los Angeles, I have never seen 
or smelled the air so clean here ever. It's on, I, I can't even believe it. So after we get done recording today, I'm actually going to um, hop on my motorcycle and probably take a walk to enjoy the air. But I think it's just a, a framing of how our actions have a compounding effect when you have nearly 8 billion humans on the planet. And not only the power of our actions, but the power of our inactions when we slow down, when we get more local, when we start making more food at home, when we get more cars off the road, as you so brilliantly said, and how quickly that nature starts to heal itself. I mean, this has only been a few weeks and the skies and the water systems and the ecosystems are already healing. So it's, it's just mind blowing. And I think, again, it shows how interconnected to all things that we truly are. Absolutely. And as we wrap up this episode, I, I wanted to check in on one of the biggest voices and sources of information on climate change of our time right now, which is Greta Thunberg. And I haven't read about her much recently. So I used Google search. If you didn't know this, there is a great feature on Google or probably other search engines if you're choosing that. I know Jason actually speaking of environmental, there are some much more eco-friendly and privacy-focused websites than Google. So uh, if you're very conscious about that, you can check and see if they have a similar feature. I know on Google, they have a button that says tools. And when you click that underneath a search, you can actually choose the time that the content has been posted. So limiting it basically. And I, I just looked up Greta Thunberg and anything that was posted about her in the past month because I'm curious how her how she's been reacting to all of this. And she said that it's important to take heart from small successes, but and we need to see the victories, but we can't only focus on the victories because we close our eyes to the actual crisis. And I think that's really important. We have to find the balance between looking at all of the things that are positive, but we cannot act as if everything is solved and everything is is good right now. She also said that people will try to use this emergency as an excuse not to act on climate crisis and that we have to be very careful about that. We cannot shelve our action on emissions. And she said that if one virus can wipe out the entire economy in a matter of weeks and shut down societies, then that is a proof that our societies are not very resilient. It also shows that once we are in an emergency, we can act and we can change our behavior quickly. And I think that is such a great point that, again, the, the big theme of this episode has been around our awareness and how our behaviors have changed so much. And we just have to stay focused on the big things, the important things. And we have to keep in mind this awareness. We can't let go of it when things, again, go, quote, back to normal. We don't know if they will ever be back to the old normal. They may just be a new normal. And we can easily slip back into old behaviors after this. In a few months, it'll just be a distant memory, maybe. Maybe not. We don't know. But, you know, it's very easy in a time of crisis to get into survival mode. And then as soon as we're out of that crisis, we just go back to our old ways. And that's just human nature. We do that all the time in big and small ways. If you go on a diet, you're completely changed. And then you go off the diet and you just go back to what you were before that. Right. That's why a lot of things are not sustainable. And so it takes that daily awareness. And that's one of our big themes of this show is ongoing awareness about the impact of your choices on yourself and other people physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I hope that this has inspired you 
I hope that the previous episode we recorded about Earth Month has reminded you it's not just about celebrating a day or even a month. It's about keeping the environment in mind all the time and how each of your choices make an impact and have a ripple effect on all sorts of people, plants, and animals. Well said, Wit. And I just want to give a a small shout out again to the Earth Day Network because they are going to be um, running all day today on Earth Day, the 50th anniversary celebration of streaming content from eco-friendly plant-based recipes to how to plant a garden to how to get more active in your local community and do more eco-friendly activism. Uh, And I also have a recipe segment that is going to be running on uh, their Instagram and Facebook. So I have a, a what to do with quarantine cooking and what to do with some basic, amazing plant-based ingredients you have in your kitchen. So a, li- a little shout out to me in the Earth Day Network if, if you, the listener, want to pick up some more eco-friendly local cooking tips. I've got them for you. So tune into Earth Day Network on Instagram and Facebook to check those out. We are here to provide inspiration and education to you. So as we mentioned throughout this episode, the show notes are really the place to learn more to listen to other episodes, to find all the resources, the books, the websites. Everything is on our website. You can go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That is our main homepage. So that has our blog and our free eBooks and our free trainings. There's a lot of free content on there. We also have online courses like Wellness Warrior Training that help you work on your personal wellness, your professional wellness, which also has the ripple effect to the wellness of the entire planet. And there's a podcast section, which you can go directly to at podcast.wellevator.com and find this specific show or any show that you listen to and find each of the individual resources that we've mentioned here for you so that you can continue to educate yourself and feel motivated and get everything you need to take your wellness to the next level. That's what we're here for. We would also love to be connected with you on that show notes page. There's a comment section. You can leave comments. You can share your insights. If you have more resources you want to add, please put them in there so we can continue the conversation. We also would love to converse with you on social media. You can find us at Wellevator. Again, that's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. And we are there on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, all the different platforms, sharing these resources, connecting with you. You can private message us if you'd like. You can also email us at hello at wellevator.com and join the community at Patreon. And we know this is a lot of information, but we want to give you a lot of different ways to be connected with us. And Patreon is one of the most intimate, connected ways and you can get all sorts of perks. We have actually things that we're adding. We just decided that we're going to add on some well-being coaching for our patrons just to give back to them as much as possible and thank them for their generosity. So if you would like that or upcoming merchandise we're working on or access to bonus episodes, unedited episodes, videos that we're doing, that is all on Patreon for you. And uh, we look forward to being connected to you in whichever way you would like. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Stay tuned for another one coming up soon. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss miss any of them. We release three a week right now on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And we are just so grateful to have you as a listener. Happy Earth Day. And we'll be here for another episode very soon. We love you. 
Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to WellEvator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.